This is the fastest way that I've been able to find, especially with studying so much human behavior, how to help people break through problems and how to get results super quick. And this is such an effective method for everything that you do in life and business. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. Now, the reason why I do this is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. So I get asked a lot, especially by other coaches or other people in the human behavior field, I get asked by a lot of business owners, how is it that I've learned how to read people so quickly? Now, there are a few different things that I pick up on, especially when I'm working with someone and so I think that this will be probably a multi-part episode over time. I won't do them back to back, but I'll, I'll slowly start to unleash or release some of the information about how I read people really, really quickly, especially try, when I'm trying to help them. And so this came about because today I was in a meeting with my team and we were just talking about online posting, marketing, and then we got into a sales conversation. And then we also got into coaching people through problems. And I said, it's all the same thing. And they were like, well, what do you mean? How do you think through this stuff? Now, this this is something that I find so simple, but when I explained it, their faces lit up and it was like they had a fucking light bulb on the top of their head because I explained it in such a simple way. Now, to me, it just comes natural and it's something that I've been doing for almost 20 years of coaching people, but I never realized that most other people don't think through this in the same way that I do, but essentially it's so easy. Now, when I'm talking to somebody, the first thing that always happens is they're going to bring up normally a problem. So they might say something like, you know, I've got this stress, here's this stress, and they'll start complaining about something. Only the other week I went to the shop and the lady who was doing the checkout, uh, I, I said, how's your day going? And she started complaining about things. So normally most people will tell you their problems straight away. What are their stresses? What are their frustrations? Now, what I know that is if we break human behavior down to its most simple form, you've got a person where they are today, you have a bunch of roadblocks and challenges that are stopping them to, from getting to where they wanna be. And then you've got where they would rather be. So you've got this huge goal, which is a future point. You've got where they are now. And the only thing in between that is a whole bunch of obstacles. And so when most people talk to me, about what's going on in life. All I see is where they are today, they're telling me about their roadblocks, but the only other question that it leaves is where would they rather be or what's the future look like? Like what's the dream outcome? Once you find those things out, it's really easy to help people to navigate their problems. And I think this is probably what's made me, I guess, you know, a lot of people that I've spoken to will say that I'm probably one of the top coaches in the country. I don't really know because I don't have a comparison. Like I, I don't know who I'm comparing myself to. There are other great coaches out there as well. There are other great people who work in human behavior. Different people have different methodologies and different tools. But I guess I do get a lot of really challenging situations. I actually got a message from someone today that I worked with on a suicide case about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And it was, you know, one of our clients just messaged us and or messaged me uh, on a Sunday night and said, I've got a friend of mine who is in a really bad place at the moment. What should I do? And I said, can you get him on the phone with me? Because I said to him, like, is he seeing somebody else? Is he Has he tried ringing a helpline? He said, that won't help him. Like he won't, he won't do that. He's entrepreneurial. He is extremely driven, extremely strong-minded he will not talk to someone who is going to fuck him around, who is going to 
bring up all this like soft fluffy shit. He said he will just annihilate them. He said he's not that type of guy. He is a like shoot the shit straight down the line. He will tell you to go fuck yourself in an instant if he just doesn't like you. And he said, I think you're the only person who can help him, which is why I'm reaching out. So I hopped on the phone and I had a chat with this guy. I said to him, send him a message first and let him know that I will call him and then send me the number. So I ended up getting on the phone and had an hour and a half conversation and you know, he's still here today. Now I'm not saying that they're the cases that I deal with, okay? Cause I don't want anyone to, you know, start sending me and referring me all these suicide cases and all that. Cause that is not what I do. I love helping people perform better and I love helping people to achieve great things. Now there are a lot of people in our society that are struggling, but they're probably going to struggle even if they have someone working with them for the next 20 years. They're not the people that I like working with. I like people who already have motivation, who are already driven, who have big goals and desires, but at the same time, they haven't clicked things together to help things flow a lot easier. Then they might not have the right tools and support that when they do come up against those challenges, they've got someone that they can talk through, work things out, and then they can keep executing. I, I normally like working with driven people, hence why, you know, once I got clear with this, I went, shit, our community are driven mofos. They're already driven. I don't have to get them out of bed in the morning and, and tell them to work hard. They already work hard. And in their own mind, when they're sitting around relaxing, their brain is probably saying, get up, you piece of shit, go do more. And so they're the people that I like working with. I think they're above average people. Anything below average like I've worked with by the way I worked with a lot of people over the years who have come to my events like our Thrive Time event where they have hit rock bottom but what happens is when they hit rock bottom they normally discover their drive and there's this thing that says I will do anything to change now they're extremely driven people so what I know is that normally people who hit rock bottom can be extremely driven there are normally people who have big goals and big dreams who are also extremely driven there's a whole bunch of mediocre motherfuckers that sit around who go oh it'd be nice to sort of do something different but you know it's not bad enough but it's not uh, I don't really know and then never going to take action. Now, they might think that they want results, but they don't really want results because they don't have enough pain or they don't have enough inspiration to drive them. And normally humans are driven by, I guess you could say, you know, pleasure and pain, but I don't really see pleasure a lot as being a long-term motivator. It's it's immediate gratification and that can happen in any moment. Normally what I find is that when someone's got enough pain, they will do shit and they will be driven. When someone is very inspired, they will also be driven. So I think pain and inspiration are two drivers. Pleasure itself, when people are pleasure driven, they will do just enough to be out of pain and just enough to get a little bit of pleasure. And they're pretty average people. That's the majority of society. And they probably won't get anywhere. They'll keep convincing themselves that one day things will change, but that's a problem. They keep thinking that one day things are going to change and they'll never change. So anyway, coming back to how all this came about, when I worked with this case, it was the same thing, right? I went, here's this person. At the moment, they are in a massive rut. There is a whole bunch of problems that have gone on, a whole bunch of obstacles that they feel like are destructive to their goals and their dreams. So when I was working, with them, I was just going, well, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? What have you been trying to achieve? What are you working towards? And we uncovered all this stuff and straight away you could hear their tone change. Like, fuck, I do have these dreams. Like here I am about to top myself, but I do have all these dreams and all these things. But what had happened was in that moment where things started falling apart in this person's life, they honed in on all the problems. And so they just got overwhelmed by problems, overwhelmed by stress, thinking that, you know, now I've failed, I've fucked up in life because there was a whole bunch of things that were going on, like relationship falling apart. That was going to mean consequences to the business and money and kids were involved. So for this person, like their whole life essentially felt like it was falling apart. So all I did was I clarified the dream and the dream outcome and what they wanted to achieve. And then I also, I, I guess I empathized with them in a way. And I said, look, it sounds like you're extremely driven. And they were like, yeah. And I said, it sounds like you've lost your drive. And they, they said, yes. And so as I went through this, I'm sparking up all this drive in them again. And they're going, you know what? Yeah, this is just an obstacle. And it's just another road bump or another speed hump. Now, if you're driven, you've been dealing with those for a long, long time. And so I was able to help this person reestablish what they wanted. And then I got them to come in for a one-on-one -on -one session with me and we worked through some stuff. And what we did 
did was we reestablished the goals. We reestablished the desire for what they wanted in their future. We worked through some of the problems. And when we worked through the problems, a lot of the methodologies that I use aren't around positive thinking and they aren't around about being optimistic because that's delusional. What I do is I work through and show people that there is always a balance in our lives and that everything is balanced apart from our perception. And, you know, there is more and more research coming out about this now. And, and to be honest, I think in 20 years, positive thinking is going to be a myth. It just won't exist anymore because I, I don't think that it's an intelligent way of living and it sure as shit doesn't produce results. I mean, if you've got a positive thinking coach and someone who does what I do, I guarantee you my clients will outperform them 20 to one every time. And I'm happy to put my money where my mouth is on that if anyone wants to you know, challenge me on that. The reason is, is that positive thinking is just looking at only what can go right. And I've had people debate me and they go, well, that's not what positive thinking is. Well, then what the fuck is it is if it isn't just looking at all the upsides? That's like going in and gambling and thinking that you can only win. Well, if that's the case, that's crazy. And people who do that tend to lose all their money. People who only look at the upsides and what could go right in their business are normally rewarded the opposing side as a nice little reward and a lesson to not fuck around with thinking about what could only go right. And this is why optimism isn't a great thing without the balance of pessimism. You need to be balanced. You need to think about what can go right, but you also need to think about what can go wrong and then start to mitigate those risks. That is someone who is very intelligent. Someone who is unintelligent looks at the upsides, goes charging full bore, and then ends up getting rewarded the punishment, or, or I guess I could say the lesson of the pain that comes with just being ignorant. And there is a lot of ignorance in positive thinking. So I'm not saying that there aren't times that you need to look at things optimistically. If you are someone who's highly pessimistic, you're not going to do anything. So for that person, they need to think about the, the opposing balance, which is what could go right? What are the benefits? And I find this as well. There are some days where it just seems like the whole day is shit that nothing can go right. And before I go to bed, I sit down and I start writing out what were the benefits of today? What are the learnings? What are the lessons? You know, how can I use this to better my future? And so what I start doing is when my brain is negative, I start to balance it out with a counterbalancing positive charges. There are a lot of people out there who look at the upsides and they look at all the positive stuff, but they don't look at all the downsides of what could go wrong. And because of that, they will end up normally doing things. And then afterwards they will go, shit, I wish I would have done that. And I'm sure that most of us on this podcast at some point in time have done things in life where we've been excited and we went, you know what, fuck it, I'll do it anyway. And then afterwards you go, shit, I wish I would, I wish I hadn't have done that. That happens just for the pure reason that we're only looking at one side of the equation. So a lot of the coaching that I do when it comes to overcoming obstacles is always looking at what both sides are existing at the same time so that we can make an intelligent decision, create a plan, and then execute on that plan. And normally when someone has very volatile results in their life, let's say they make money, lose money, make money, lose money, make money, lose money, those volatile peaks and troughs that they have within their bank account are normally directly correlated to the peaks and troughs they have in their own psychology. And when they're related, they'll spend money that they don't have, or they'll make stupid financial decisions, which then will lead to the downside. Then when they're in the downside, normally they'll be depressed, down, beating themselves up, feeling like shit. And then after a while, that will build enough courage or anger or frustration and off they go again. This also happens with a lot of people with gym and exercise. I see this for years when I was a personal trainer where you get people who lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. When they look at themselves in the mirror and they hate themselves enough, they go to the gym. And then when everything starts going well, they start to justify why you know everything's going well. And so they start eating a bit more, they start reducing their exercise and then they start justifying their position because when everything is going on the upside, they start to naturally create the downside for themselves by fucking everything up. And that's essentially almost a self-sabotage 
self-sabotage pattern. There's a few other things that cause self-sabotage. I'll go into that in another podcast. This is very, very common in most people. And I, I know a lot of people in our society go, yeah, but I know someone who's like this and blah, blah. The majority of people are not doing that well in life, full stop. And we live in the lucky country here and some people debate this, but the majority of our population are obese or overweight. I think it's 63% or 64% now or something like that. Someone can pop it in the comments somewhere um, and let me know what the exact figure is, but it's well in the 60%. So if you're average, you're overweight or obese. That's just the average. Now, the average Australian has no savings. So the majority of Australians have no money in their bank account. I don't know what the exact statistic is, but they're essentially living paycheck to paycheck. And even when the government throws out a little bit of extra cash into their bank account or increases minimum wage, they will just go out and blow that immediately. Because again, they look at the upside, they don't think about the downside. They think, wow, I've just got this free money. I'm going to go blow it. And then they go blow it and they're back into that negative again. So please understand that when you're dealing with the barrier, and the obstacle that I was talking about, that barrier and obstacle is normally directly proportioned to the way that a person is thinking through things. Now, there is no such thing as a challenge or an obstacle that can't be overcome unless you're doing something that nobody has ever done before. But I meet a million business owners who say, well, this is all shit, you know, it's too hard. Well, someone's already solved the problem. It's not like you're reinventing the wheel. Like we're not going to go live on Pluto here. Like no one's doing that shit yet. If anyone's doing anything that's crazy, it's Elon Musk because he's trying to put people on Mars and we've never done that before. And so there are going to be a lot of challenges. But when it comes to running a business, there are millions, probably tens of millions, hundreds of millions of business owners out there who have probably all dealt with the exact same shit that you're going through. And so it's a matter of thinking through things, getting a different perspective, understanding stuff, learning a lot, and then executing that. The same thing happens when someone comes to me and they go, I can't lose weight. Well, you can. It's not that hard. There are millions of people who are in the same position. Yeah, but Michael, you don't understand. It's my genes. There is fucking millions of other people out there who, who have also complained about their genes being shit before, and they probably may have worse genes than you, yet they still lost weight. So the question is, how did they do that? And this is exactly what happened when I got told by a doctor years ago that I had chronic fatigue and I would never ever have the normal energy or the energy of a normal person. And my brain went, fuck that, someone else has to figure this out. I can't be the first person on the planet who has ever figured this shit out. So I went and I went and studied a whole bunch of other people who had overcome this problem. And then I started executing. So coming back to it, there are three key things that I'm looking for in almost every conversation. And this is when I got my coaching cap on. There are other times where I'll be out and about and someone just wants to sit here and shoot the shit and like talk crap to me. And I just switch my brain off and I just sit there and I nod and yep, okay okay, cool. How can I help? Like, you know, just things like that. So I don't walk around all the time trying to analyze people because that's, it's, it's insane. I don't, I don't do that. What I do is I let people come to me and when they're ready, they will reach out. And when they reach out, it's game on. And I will put my problem solving cap on and I will go to work. Now, when someone says I have this problem, there's only two other things or three things that I'm really looking at and outcome. What are they really wanting to achieve in life? Because that will give them the drive and the motivation to want to overcome the obstacle. Then you've got what's the actual obstacle itself that's getting in the way of achieving that. And then finally, where are you now? When you know those three things, it's quite easy to start to execute and navigate things. Now, if you work in marketing, it's that same thing, right? We're all problem solvers. Marketing is helping people solve problems or at least understanding that they have one. Sales is helping a person identify, I have a problem, I think you can help. Then as a salesperson, and I work in sales quite a lot, I love sales in fact, because I'm helping people every day by, by helping them make a decision. And so I help the person, or if you're in sales, you help a person understand what their core problem is. You help them understand where they are now. You help them understand where they wanna be. And then if you've got a solution that, that helps, then you sell that product to them. And you have to then help them to make a decision whether they want it or don't want it. And there are a lot of people out there who think they want something that they don't want when they have to make a decision. That's that's just common human nature. That's the method that I use to break down human behavior really, really quickly when I'm working with people. Now, there's there's a lot more advanced tools. I mean, I've been doing this now for working with people for almost 20 years. So, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of techniques that I learn. And when I used to run a coaching course, we actually had a lot of coaches who came from NLP. We had people who had studied psychology, different therapies 
therapists and stuff, people in business, because they wanted to learn a lot of these skill sets that I'd developed over the years. And I only showed it recently, actually. There was someone who studied a lot of human behavior in my Thrive Time event. And in that event, there was someone in there who had had a bad relationship with their sister for a long, long time, and they didn't talk. And I went in there, and within about five to 10 minutes, I'd resolve this problem in front of the whole room, and everyone was just sitting there with their jaw on the ground. Because at first, there was so much resentment and hatred towards his sister because of all this stuff that she'd supposedly done. But when I started balancing out the perspectives of what was going on in their head, they actually realized that the sister wasn't as bad as they made out. And that's because a lot of the time when a person has a problem, we start to create false positives. And I've gone through this on other podcasts before, where a false positive is that if we go back to the animalistic part of the brain, the amygdala, what will happen is if you look at animals in nature, it's better to create a false positive and see something that's not there than to not see something that is there. Because if I'm walking through the jungle and I notice that there's something moving in the bush and I don't treat that as a threat, that could be something that kills me. Now, even if the wind's blowing, it's better to see the wind blowing and go, shit, there's a snake there or there's a lion there and think that there's something there, even if there's not, because at least I'm still still safe. If I saw the wind blowing the, the grass and I went, oh, it's not that bad and I kept running into it, and there's a cheetah there, I'm fucked, I'm dead. So humans naturally have this creation in their own psychology where they create false positives and they start to over-exaggerate things. And humans do it. And under stress, that happens even more. So we create more false positives. And if you actually have a look at research and some of the scientific data on people who get really hardcore into a lot of different conspiracy theories, they will normally have a fear response, which then creates a lot of false positives where they start putting shit together that's not really there. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some things when it comes to people who get called conspiracy theorists who actually have very intelligent debates on what's happening. And so I'm not saying that everyone who are labeled as conspiracy theorists have that same problem because some of them are fucking intelligent and they're just saying things that no one else wants to acknowledge. But there are other people who just seem to have conspiracy theories about everything. They're the people who live in fear, who tend to have a massive false positive response. They pretend that they're being overpowered or they feel overpowered naturally. And so because of that, it, it creates this consistent false positive in their life where they start just seeing shit that's not there and they start linking things together. So humans naturally over-exaggerate and create these false positives. So whenever a person is normally talking about their problems, a lot of the time it is a false positive where they're saying things that's not really there. They haven't really seen the opposing side of what could be going on. They've never asked themselves better questions about the situation. And you can see this happen, right? A really good example of this is if you look at people who work in emergency services, they have a really great ability to see things for what they actually are because they're used to dealing with trauma and pain and suffering a lot. And so they just see things as there's a life here that's in front of me. This person looks like they're having a heart attack or something. I need to jump in and I need to do this, this, and this, and this to save their life. Whereas other people, they might see that same thing and freak the fuck out and they have a freeze response and they don't do anything. That's a freeze response. Then other people see it and they just don't even want to look like they'll, they'll look away or they'll walk away because they don't want to, they're running from it. So that's their flight response. They're running away from it. Then there are other people who will over-exaggerate it. So they might see a car accident and then they go, oh, they, someone could have died. Someone could have died. And then they have PTSD afterwards because to them, that was a traumatic experience, even though nobody died. So humans have these funny ways of creating these false positives and, and you know, these over-exaggerations happening in our brain. Now that's not always the case, but it does happen quite a lot. And I would say that probably 90% of the people that I've ever worked with normally have that response in some way, shape or form. So I guess coming back to the core 
of what I was talking about. There's only really three things that most people really need to focus on. Where am I now? What's the obstacle that's getting in my way? And then what do I really want? If you can clarify those things, you normally have a pretty good run with results. And then after that, there are other things as well. Like if you want to be fulfilled for a long, long time, I would highly recommend to get your ass to my Thrive Time event. Now, I have people every week who message me and they go, oh yeah, you know, I'm keen. But they don't do anything because either they don't have enough pain, they don't understand the problems that are getting in the way and what that means to their future if they keep procrastinating and putting it off. And then also they don't have a big enough reason to want to change. So they just keep putting it off and putting it off. At Thrive Time, what I do is we go over three core pillars and those three core pillars, the first one is finding out what fulfills you because you're more likely to do something that you're fulfilled in for a longer period of time. And those who achieve the greatest results do it because they are consistent for a long period of time. You know, I have people come up to me and they go, you're so lucky Mojo because of blah, blah, blah. They don't realize that I've been doing this for 19 years. 19 years ago, I started in the personal training industry. I had no idea what I was doing working with people. In fact, I was quite shy. I couldn't just walk up to people and just chitty chat. I would every now and again in the gym, I'd be fine with that, but out and about, I couldn't do it. It took me a long, long time to learn how to communicate with people and to be a better communicator. Then I started understanding that everyone's pain also has a solution. And so it made me question things and start looking around. And so over time, I developed all of these skill sets by working with so many people. And so it's not as easy as doing a five-day NLP course and, and being uh, being in the same position that I'm in, because that's not the case. It, it won't happen. Anyway, let's let's go back, let's get back on track again, because some of you are probably thinking, the fuck is this guy talking about? What I do know is that as part of the first pillar, you really need to understand what fulfills you and not what fulfills you by thinking that you're doing it for everybody else, is it's what actually drives you. What's the thing that is most fulfilling for you to do? For me, it's learning and teaching. I love it. Like, you know, I, I could do these podcasts in my sleep with my eyes closed closed. Even today, I was on a team training and I said to one of my staff, I've just got to finish off our Triumph event. I've just got to finalize it and send it off to print. One of my staff members said to me, Mojo, even if you didn't have the manual done on time, you could just run the whole event for seven days and you'd be fine. And I laughed and I said, I know. And she said, that'd be your dream, wouldn't it? Just running a seven day event, freestyling it. And I went, that would be my dream. I love doing that. And so that's something that comes naturally to me. Exercising, I've been doing it since I was 14 years of age and I'm 30, I turned 39 this year. So I've been consistent with that for such a long period of time. So it's not that I'm lucky or I did a 12 week program. It's that I'm consistent because I'm fulfilled. I love doing it. And so I don't have any intention of not going to the gym tomorrow. I don't have any intention of not teaching tomorrow. Now, when you do that for a long period of time, you are bound to kick ass in life because you're just naturally going to figure out how to get better results. So that's pillar one. Pillar two of Thrive Time and the reason why it's so important and why it helps so much with life is because pillar two is all about getting clear. You need to get clear on what you're driving towards. So you need to get clear with your mission because it gives you long-term thinking. It also changes the way that your brain operates. So it moves you from the emotional amygdala to the part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is our most evolved part of the brain. Now, when we start to do things that are fulfilling and we have long-term focus, what will happen is that prefrontal cortex comes in and it governs our emotions. So it means that we're less volatile. We are more consistent in our actions, in our thoughts, in our emotional states, and because of that, we're going to achieve more. So understanding how to have a long-term mission and a vision and get really, really clear with that stuff and then set effective goals that keep you on track. Fucking hell, you outperform like 99% of people on the planet just with those two pillars. Then you've got the, the final pillar, which is your psychological drive. So what are the things that really will drive you consistently? So I go over a lot of high-performance psychology. I show you one of the world's most advanced mental and emotional balancing tools so you can keep your brain in check. 
so that then you don't end up with that crazy feedback and all that static inside your head where you're bouncing around with your thoughts and you can't focus because that's going to distract you. Also, there is a lot of laws in nature that most people push against. The more you push against natural laws, the worse your results are going to be. So there is, it seems to be there's a natural law of balance. The more balanced you are in your thinking, the better you are with execution. When people try to be over positive or over negative, it fucks up their execution. So this is why I teach that tool because the most successful people I've ever worked with and I've ever had the chance of meeting or being around are normally very balanced people. They tend to not have high highs, but they don't have low lows. And so because of that, they can just focus and execute. Also, you need to know how to figure out what problems are really, really quickly and what your bottlenecks are and then work through them quickly so that then you can get to the next problem. Because in life, we solve problems and then we create another problem. And then we solve that problem, we create another problem. That's called human evolution. Now, if we think that we're going to get rid of all of our problems, you're already going against a natural law of nature. You are going to be stressed out, burnt out, frustrated, depressed, feeling like shit. These are very, very common patterns that most people have in our society. And that's the reason why most people don't get the results that they want. So those three pillars really help a person perform at their peak. And that's why I love teaching that stuff. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. You know, I, I just really want to talk about why I think the way that I do about human behavior. And the reason why I guess I've been able to work with a lot of very challenging and difficult cases. There are many people out there who are probably listening to this podcast who have done therapy for 10, 15, 20 years and didn't get the results and came to Thrive Time and they didn't need therapy anymore. And I'm not saying that happens with everybody because that's not the case. There are some people who need you know, extra help. But when you've got the right tools and you understand things in the right way, you get better results. And also the other thing is that I've learned don't over-exaggerate or buy into people's problems because when you do that, you reinforce the idea of connection and love and support. And when you do that, a person will keep reinforcing it. And I see this a lot in our society where people want to change because they're in pain and suffering. But at the same time, the thing that they want in life, which is acceptance and love and support and nurturing, all of those things, they get rewarded by having their pain. My grandmother used to do it. She would complain all the time because everyone would then connect with her and help her out and support her. And so what I realized is that when you support someone consistently for their pain and their trauma and their problems, you actually create a codependency which then both you and them are trapped forever in that codependent relationship. And it's a fucked way of living. And that's why I'm pretty blunt and upfront with my coaching. It's not that I don't care. It's just, I care so much. I want to help people to get results and get out of their problems, not reinforce patterns of behavior, which is unfortunately what happens in most mental health situations in this day and age. And I know there are going to be some people right now who are fuming that I'm saying this stuff, but I'm more than happy to put, you know, put my results where my mouth is. And I just know that, a supportive mental health model does not work for most people. It does at first because sometimes people just need to know that people care. But if you're doing that for longer than a couple of months, you've just created a codependent relationship. And so that's why there are a lot of people out there who need you know, people to support them for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And they're never gonna get out of it. The same thing happens with our medical system. You know, When you keep supporting people for, poor, for the poor choices that they have in life, they will just keep doing it because there's no consequences. The thing that they want, they get, which is the support and everything like that. They'll just keep doing it. I saw it in the medical center when I worked in there years ago. Anyway, I hope this helps River Mofos. Look, if you're loving this and you are also looking for more deeper knowledge, I am dropping a massive sales training in the next couple of weeks in our group, depending on when you're watching this. It is now uh, July. So in the next week or so, I'm doing a massive sales training where I'm gonna go through how I actually sell and the psychological pattern that I use to be able to sell. And this is so good because when I sell, I don't sell. I don't have any problems. I don't, I'm not pushy with people. I used to be, but I just found it's not effective and it makes me feel shit. So it's a way where I build good quality relationships. And even after the sales process, most people will thank me. So I'm going to go through that next week and how I help people to do that better. If you think this is interesting, jump across. 
into our Facebook group. You just go to Facebook, type in the search bar, no BS business hacks, and it's a free group. You can join that group. I pop in content there every day. The reason why I do that group is because I want to help business owners. We are starting to go into a very challenging financial time right now. There is a lot of shit going on in the economy. A lot of businesses are starting to go broke and the economy is not going to be good for the next, I, I think the next 24 months. In fact, maybe even longer. It just depends on how long it takes to for shit to hit the fan. We seem to be holding on all right, but I don't think it's going to last for long. Anyway, so that's why I'm doing it because business ownership, a lot of business owners are the backbone of this country and they're also the backbone of a lot of economies around the world. If small businesses and medium-sized scaling businesses, you know, aren't doing well, then there are a lot of other people who aren't doing well as well. So, you know, I think that it's important to make sure that I can do the best that I can to help share knowledge that will help businesses to stay afloat and to do things better. And also to help business owners live an, an epic life because no one really starts a business to feel trapped and more shit in life. So that's why I do it. So please jump across to that group. It's called No BS Business Hacks for Driven Mofos. If you just type that in the search bar, it will come up. No BS Business Hacks. Hit that group up and um, jump in there, say hi. Uh, my team will be in there as well. We add in bonuses every day. In fact, I've got to do a talk uh, this afternoon on uh, marketing. So I'll jump across in that group and, and talk about marketing. So um, please jump across, join up for the group. It's free. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Keep living with Mojo, keep pushing hard. And uh, I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. Thank you.